Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If your personality was a Canadian province, which province would it be? <laughs> um, Nunavut. <laughs> you think? Why Nunavut? I just sense that the people of Nunavut are just sick and tired of everyone's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and I am as well. Like, that's the general vibe I get. I, from, I like that Because you really don't hear from a lot of people yeah. in Nunavut often. And yeah. if you do, it's usually because they're like, you guys are so fucking dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive here. <laughs> yeah. Man. Like, what are you complaining about in Ontario? Exactly. I don't know which one I don't I think I'm be. an Ontarian. See, I was going to say possibly Ontario because I'm loud and obnoxious, even though I'm not like conservative, which sure. Ontario tends to vote in. But uh, I was going to say Ontario because I'm loud and obnoxious. But then I don't know. I don't know. I also feel like maybe none of it mixed with like Newfoundland. Yeah. Just because they seem like jolly and friendly people and just want to <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, it could be that. That's really all I want. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily want to be around people. So I'm Alberta. I'm a separatist. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Welcome to Paranormal, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> uh, I'm Nicolina. And I'm Marie. And we're, uh, the ghouls are back in town. <laughs> nice. I regret not naming our last episode that. Gosh, um, darn it. But I might name this one that. I don't know. No, you I'll should. save it for another one because this one's got to have has a specific theme. Fair. So maybe I'll do another one for a hometown. I'll name it that. But okay. yeah, I really was saving that one. I shit one the bed. I yeah. shit the bed on the last episode. <laughs> but yeah, we're here. We're back. We're uh, here with a full episode um, with your favorite spooky stories and... Do you want to do horoscopes first or tell them the theme? Well, let's do horoscopes first. Okay. Cool. So I'll read yours first. Okay. So don't be surprised if you don't spend too much time at home today. Huh? All signs indicate that you're more likely to be out and about shopping, visiting, and maybe attending a special dinner or concert. There are a number of family activities that you won't want to miss, Leo. So don't let your friends distract you with too much shopping or sports on TV. Um, immediately no. Immediately no. <laughs> no. I I mean, I shopped for Admir. He asked me to get him a t-shirt on Amazon. And I got myself one at the same time. Well, that's exciting. He, totally. But that was from the comfort of my home, and and yeah. I have not ventured out at all today. Actually, my dad came and picked up my Jeep, well, his Jeep, but yeah. the Jeep that I use, yeah. and uh, therefore I can't really go anywhere right now. 
Damn. So, no. Not doesn't ring true. Not Not at at all. all. Not at all. Thanks a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Bullshit. Um, Okay, so yours is. This is a great time to take advantage of a little solitude to pursue (laughs) some cherished goals, Gemini. Your concentration and imagination are operating at a very high level, and you may not stop working until you've completely finished. If you're starting a project, you will probably do well on it, and if business and money are involved, be successful. Don't let temporary snags get in your way. Go for the gold. Very interesting. The only project I started working on today was other than sorry other than working on stuff for comic con here mm-hmm. um was i have this huge vintage chest in my uh basement mm-hmm. and it's full of my yarn and it's all unorganized and so today i was like i have all these drawer organizers that i bought when i got pregnant for the nursery that i never ended up using mm-hmm. so i literally sat and re rewound all of these skeins of yarn into like perfect little organized cakes and organize them in the drawer organizers and I didn't finish it because I had to come here but you will finish it yeah I'll finish it that was my project for the day and I literally did that all day and it's still not finished oh my (laughs) I have a lot of yarn all right well at least it does ring ring you know kind of I mean sure (laughs) I mean I am I guess coming here is the temporary snag oh that gets in your way. I guess, yeah. Too true. Too true. I wouldn't call it a snag, though. But you know, I'd call just it a like, swag. <laughs> Speaking of swag, we're surrounded by it right now. Um, a perfect segue. A perfect segue. Yes, we've got so much swag. Honestly, guys, we're trying to figure out what is the best store uh, to launch our items on. Mm-hmm. We've been debating between Etsy. Uh, potentially a Shopify or a Shopify alternative. Mm-hmm. If you guys have any ideas, please DM us or send us messages as to where you would mm-hmm. like us to put our merch and stuff up where you can find it. Yeah. Because if there's a preferred method that we just don't know of, we'd love to hear it from our listeners. Yes, because Patreon won't let us put up our own merch. Right. They'll just kind of let us upload a design onto their merch that mm-hmm. they will then sell for us. Yeah. Um, but we can't use the merch that we've already purchased. So that, that you, is an You no-go. also can't just purchase it at will. You have to be part of a Patreon oh, yeah. tier. So if you just wanted to grab one of our rings or necklaces or stickers, you'd have to go sign up for a monthly subscription, subscription which not everyone is going to want to do in order to get a yes. piece of merch. So yes. Yeah. Um, and there's fees and stuff. I mean, everything's going to have fees, but sure. this one is a little bit, it's like a double whammy of fees. So it's a lot. It's a lot. So if you guys have any ideas of where we can sell our merch or um, would like to purchase our merch, let us know because then we can look into that. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. So this episode is going to be about, um, well, really, well, mine is like a a former kind of military battle location. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, it's the, I, I won't say exactly what it is, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a haunted post, basically. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Mine is similar, but not. Okay. Um. So I had texted Nicolina 
well, she had texted me asking if we had a theme we wanted to stick to. And I was like, honestly, I just picked this story from a TV show that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had to do with a soldier who ended up being followed home by a spirit. So cool. into it. I'll start with my story. Um, so Matt Serrano is being terrible. Matt Serrano is being terrorized by a demonic presence. In 2010, he enlists in the U.S. military and was stationed in Iraq. He was super proud to be serving his country. He had grown up with a patriotic mentality, and he felt strongly that it was a job that somebody had to do, so why couldn't he do it? He knew that he would have to defend himself against enemies that he could see, but he did not realize that he would have to be fighting the supernatural as well. He became an intelligence analyst, and he was part of a team that was asked to collect intel from the local terrorist network that was in the area. They were attacked on a daily basis. The U.S. military was setting up operations in an abandoned airbase, and it had a notorious reputation. They were told coming in that the base had been around for decades, and that certain sections of it were where Saddam Hussein had tortured people on a regular basis. These tortures are well documented, and he even tortured an Olympic soccer team after they lost in this location. Oh my god. Yeah. One day, he was just finishing up his duties when another soldier had asked him if he wanted to explore the airbase with him. Matt didn't really want to, but the other soldier had continued on, and Matt didn't want him to go by himself, so he went with him. So in this abandoned base, um, the power doesn't work and they're using flashlights and it's really dark. Okay. And they're in this room and they hear a whooshing sound like air rushing by. So they get nervous. Their senses are obviously heightened and they end up in a room that has two chairs in it and they see ropes and chains and tools with dried blood on the floor. Oh. Obviously, it makes them wonder about what was done to people in this place. Mm -hmm. Then they hear like a demonic voice kind of muttering, but they can't make out what it's saying. And the whooshing sound is still happening. The other soldier says, you know what? We really shouldn't be in here. And he leaves the room feeling like uneasy. Mm -hmm. Um, And Matt is still in the room. And before he leaves, he hears a voice like in a really demonic tone say i see you and then he runs out of the room gross yeah totally he said that he could sense darkness and evil it was a very menacing energy he was in shock at the moment because he thought it was his mind playing tricks on him that night he laid down in bed with a book and he's just reading when he hears the whooshing noise again so he looks up and he looks out the door and he doesn't see anything he lies back down he continues reading And he looks up uh, at the wall that's next to his bed because he has a photo of his wife on the wall. So he goes to like look at his wife Mm -hmm. and there's a little mirror just above the photo. And when he looks at the photo of his wife, he realizes that there's a reflection of what looks like an Iraqi man with blood all over him. He freaks out. He does like a double take. And then he, when he looks away from the mirror, he notices that the other soldier that he was exploring the base with is now standing in the doorway of the room. Mm -hmm. And he yells out to the soldier and he's like, 
did you see that? I know you saw that. I know you saw that too. Holy shit. But just then, uh, a bunch of the other soldiers come in and both of the men didn't get a chance to talk about it. And he didn't want to talk about it in front of the other soldiers because he didn't want to look like he was losing his mind. Right, right. So they all go to sleep, but he's shaken. So he's still awake and he's reading his book again. And that's when he starts hearing a voice whisper to him. He can't really make out what the voice is saying. And he realizes that the other soldier jolts out of bed at the same time as him because he heard it too. Okay. All of a sudden, the alarms start blaring and all of the soldiers hit the deck. Mm. They hear explosions in the distance. And while he's on the floor, he lifts his head to look around and he sees the man from the reflection. He sees this man on the floor crawling towards him. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. All of a sudden, an announcement comes on saying, all clear, and the alarms stop sounding. And when he looks back, the man is gone. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. The men all stand up. They're obviously all relieved, looking around at each other, and they start to get ready to go back into their beds. When Matt turns around to get into bed, this same man is now in his bed. Oh, my God. So he, like, jumps. He freaks out, right? And he starts to tell them that he saw something, but then again is like, I can't, they're going to think I'm crazy mm-hmm. and I'm going to get like discharged. Mm-hmm. So he thinks better of it and he tells them he thought that he saw a poisonous spider. Okay. And so they like make fun of him. Okay. Um, but he knows that his eyes aren't playing tricks on him at this point. And he says that he knows he's not losing his mind, but he was never prepared for what was about to happen. One day, he was on a video call with his wife, and the connection had started cutting in and out, which is not abnormal for where he was. But then all of a sudden, the whooshing noise is happening again, and the lights start flickering, and then all of the electronics in the room start turning off and on and just going fucking nuts in general. Okay. At the time, he thought that if he just ignored it, it would go away. Um, But while he would walk around the airbase, he would hear creepy whispering all day long. So it was really hard to ignore it. Then he starts seeing the man standing outside and walking around like with the other soldiers, but the other soldiers can't see him. And then it wasn't just him. It was multiple men who clearly had been tortured and were dead. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. And they disappear just as fast as they appear. Right. One day when he sees a group of the spirits walking around, he notices that that other soldier that he had explored the base with was close by him and he noticed that he was acting weird and kind of looking in the same areas where these spirits were were Mm -hmm. appearing. Mm -hmm. So he's convinced the other soldier can see exactly what he's seeing. They're both sensitive. Um, But the other soldier refuses to discuss it with him. He was again worried that he was going to sound crazy because when you say these things out loud, it makes you seem like you're out of your mind. Mm. And he didn't know what to do. The only thing that he could do was to try to get help. But anyone who serves in the military knows that it's frowned upon to talk about crazy things like this. It could potentially hurt your military career. But he did seek out help on a religious level by seeing the chaplain. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
And the chaplain basically told him that none of this was real. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't actually seeing things and that they were just a manifestation of his fears and insecurities. And Matt tells him it feels like more than that. Mm-hmm. So the chaplain asks him if he wants to pray with him. And Matt says that he doesn't feel like he can right then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chaplain tells him you can come back anytime. So Matt gets up to leave the room. And as he's leaving, a crucifix falls off the wall. And a demonic voice comes back saying, I can see you. Oh, my God. He turns to look at the chaplain, but the chaplain didn't hear anything. And when Matt looks back at the wall, the crucifix, the crucifix is back up on the wall. So not only did the chaplain not hear the demonic voice, he didn't experience the crucifix falling, falling. but Matt did. Okay. Matt didn't go into too much detail with the chaplain because he knew that he would probably report it to somebody that didn't need to hear about it. And he was at a loss. That night, he was in bed again reading, and when he goes to turn out the lamp beside his bed, the man's face is right in front of him. Like, right, like right when he turns, mm-hmm. it's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he scrambles across the beds, like across the room, and he notices that another man is crawling across the floor towards him. He stands up from the bed just as a few more soldiers walk in and turn the lights on. The two spirits disappear. Mm-hmm. Matt is hoping that his torment will stop once his tour of duty ends and he leaves Iraq, and he makes it that far. Normally, at the end of a tour, everyone is very joyful to be going home, but for some reason, Matt had a feeling of dread, and he kept feeling like he was about to die. One day, while he's on base, he can hear screams coming from inside the airbase. So he went in by himself with his gun drawn, looking for who was making the noise. He looks down and saw a thick trail of blood. He follows the trail into a room where he sees what looks like a bunch of dead bodies. He can hear flies buzzing around. These people are clearly dead. Mm -hmm. He walks up to one of the bodies and lifts its head and the man opens his eyes. All of a sudden, the other bodies start moving around him and start walking towards him and grabbing at him. He realizes that these are spirits and he's freaking out. And all of a sudden, he wakes up. Okay. It's a dream. Okay. And at this point, Matt is back at home. So this is these dreams are these spirits are following him in his dreams. I see. Back home. Yeah. But this is this is how intense these nightmares are. Mm -hmm. And they're happening every single night. Mm -hmm. So he keeps having these nightmares and he says they feel evil. He had the mentality that what happened there is in the past, that that was in Iraq and it won't happen here. Right. He could return to normal life now, but he was wrong. One day, him and his wife came home from a night out, and his wife went up to bed, and Matt decided he was going to have a drink before he went to bed, so he went to the kitchen. He grabs a glass, grabs a bottle, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees something run past him. He looks down, and he sees a trail of sand. He follows the trail, and it's headed upstairs. He follows it up the stairs, looks down a long hallway. He hears the whooshing noise. And then he sees like a figure start to start to appear. Mm -hmm. But before it turns into anything, he throws the bottle that he was carrying towards the uh, entity and he yells, leave me alone, leave us alone. Mm -hmm. His wife hears the commotion. She comes out and sees what he did. And she's upset because she doesn't understand why he's throwing a bottle of alcohol across the hall. Mm -hmm. And it's then that Matt realizes that this thing has indeed followed him home. It's not just nightmares. And he feels worse than he did in Iraq. 
One night, he's lying in bed and looks over at his wife. He gets up and he asks his, or sorry, he gets up and his wife asks him, are you okay? Because it woke her up when he got up. And he said he's just thirsty, so he goes downstairs for a drink, uh, an alcoholic drink. And I get the sense that Matt is starting to drink heavily now. Right, right, yeah. So he pours himself a drink and he hears something outside of his window. So he carries the glass to the window and all of a sudden the man's face appears in the window. His back door starts to open. The demonic voice is muttering and then a bunch of spirits show up and start crawling across the floor towards him, walking in from every doorway, like every place that he could flee is now they have their spirits Okay. coming towards him okay he grabs a knife he's waving it around the kitchen at them he's screaming his wife comes downstairs because she hears him freaking out and when she turns on the light all of them vanish again but she sees him in the kitchen with this huge knife and she's like this is not okay yeah no kidding so matt realizes that this thing is definitely attached to him he also realizes that it has started causing problems in his marriage Mm -hmm. he knows it's wreaking havoc in his life because it feeds off of the negative energy and he knows that he has to fight it alone but he doesn't know how to do it Mm. only a few weeks after he returns from iraq mac decides to move out of the home he blames the entity for destroying his life his wife and him end up getting a divorce. Oh, God. And before he knew it, he was drinking and was in a very dark place in his life. And the entity had a, even more of a stronghold on him. One day he comes home and he's again pouring himself a drink. He goes to put the bottle away. And when he comes back to the glass, the alcohol has turned into sand. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So he smashes this glass of sand oh, everywhere because he's fucking pissed. Yeah. Um. And grabs another glass, fills it up with liquor, and just- He's the only one who reports this, though, right? Like, no one else is around. Correct. Okay. He And then he, like, chugs it immediately, chugs okay. this liquor. He's full of rage at this point in his life. He's being mentally and emotionally drained because of the constant nightmares that the spirit is giving to him. And so he ends up reaching out to army therapists for help, but they don't really help him. Oh, um, he doesn't think that they believed him. And they're basically just telling him it's due to stress. PTSD. I would yeah. Assume. But he knew that there was more to it than just PTSD. Yeah. He's no longer in touch with the other soldier that he had entered the torture chamber with. He doesn't know if the man is experiencing these visions as well. And Matt is desperate to understand what is tormenting him. He thinks that it could be something really old. He felt like it was something older than even a human spirit. Okay. Something genuinely evil. Yeah. He started researching the history of Iraq going back thousands of years. He did research on dark spirits attaching themselves to people. And he thinks that it had ties to what went on in the base before anyone got there in regards to torturing any prisoners that were there. Okay. So because Matt knows that this thing is feeding off of his loneliness and fear, he fights to change the course of his life. He decides he's going to join an online dating site. Mm-hmm. So he meets a woman named Heather. They start off talking and texting, and pretty soon they're doing everything together. Heather's son accepts Matt as a father figure in his life, and Matt and Heather get married within months. Okay. Matt believes that his happiness has driven the evil out of his life, but it, was, it didn't. It was just waiting in the shadows. One day, their son wants to play a video game on Matt's computer, but Matt was working. So he pulls the son onto his lap to show him what he's working on, 
when the electronics start short-circuiting the way that they did when he was in Iraq and was talking to his wife over a video chat. And the whooshing noise is happening again. So he panics Mm -hmm. and he rushes the kid out of the room. And when he comes back to the computer, he notices that sand is falling onto it, like out of thin air. Oh my goodness. He starts yelling at it to go away. And then Heather hears him and she comes in and interrupts him. When he turns back to the computer, the sand is gone. Mm -hmm. It's then that Matt decides that he has to tell Heather what's been going on. So Matt wants to leave because he doesn't want Heather and their son to have to deal with this thing. Mm -hmm. But Heather tells him that he's not leaving, that they're in this together. At this point, Heather doesn't believe in the paranormal. And she's pretty sure that there's got to be a logical explanation for what's going on. One night, their son starts calling, Mom, Mommy, Mommy. Okay. So she gets up and she goes to get him. She walks into his room and he's sitting up in bed, but the covers are pulled over his head. So she can't see him. Oh, God. Um, it's, it's just like the covers and like she can see that his figure is yeah, underneath figure, it sitting yeah. up. Yep. She pulls the covers off and when she does, there's no one there. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's an empty bed. When she turns around, she hears a demonic voice (gasps) saying her name and starts seeing the outline of a person in the room. But then Matt comes in and the thing disappears. And when they look back at the bed, the son is now sleeping in the bed. So at this point, she realizes this is not PTSD. She starts asking herself, what is in my house? Is this really happening to me? And what do I do about it? Matt is now worried that this thing is going to hurt Heather or her son, so he is now willing to do absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. They start going to church, and they start burning sage in their house. It started to calm down a bit, but one day while they're watching TV, again, the electronics start going nuts, and their son wakes up to sand falling on him. He screams, and his parents come into his bedroom, and he tells them that he saw a shadow man. They realize that it was still there and they're starting to lose hope. I'm going to take a quick aside here because this just reminded me mm-hmm. that my, my sister-in-law came to visit us this weekend and her daughters were with her. And she told us that her oldest daughter, who's like, I think like six or seven, mm-hmm. told her, mommy, I have to sleep with the lights on in my room now. And then she asked her why. And she said, I really don't like it when the shadow people look at me. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So that's just another fun thing that happened. Okay. (laughs) So Matt starts doing research and decides to choose the best weapon that he thinks would be best suited to fight the entity. His only chance is to face this thing head on and fight fire with fire. I don't know why he says I'm going to fight fire with fire in the episode and then goes. So I purchased a spirit box. Oh, and I'm like, how are you going to fight? Fi-? Like when you say you're going to fight fire with fire, I assume that you're going to go get another demon to fight this thing. Yeah. Something like, else. Yeah. <laughs> Not to give being, the spirit joking, a platform but yeah. to discuss his, <laughs> his demands. His demands. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it cycles through. So if you don't know what um, a spirit box is, if you're listening, it cycles through radio frequencies at a fast rate so that spirits can talk through the white noise that it's cycling through. They're hoping that by communicating with it, something good might come out of it. They might be able to come to an understanding with it. Um, I'm pretty sure at this point they're thinking maybe it's not a demon, even though it keeps talking to us in a demonic voice. But anyway, 
Um, but they're scared that they're all, they're also scared that they're going to open doors that can't be closed. But they think that this is their only course of action. So they start asking it questions and it answers them. It says, I, they ask, who are you? And it says, I'm old. I am old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then they ask it to leave them alone and it responds, I see Heather. And they ask what it is and why he chose Matt and what it wants. And he responds, possession. I see you, Matt. You are ours. Heather starts praying and sand starts to fall on top of the spirit box. All of the candles blow out. Their photos all fly off the wall. They turn the spirit box off, but even though it's off, the demon is still speaking through it. It says the word sand, the words sand, millennia, war, and murder. Matt asks why him. There's another whooshing sound and a figure starts to appear in the room. It responds, we knew you would feel it. You belong to us. Then there's a high-pitched squealing coming from the spirit box, and then everything goes silent. The demon's words force Matt to make a stunning realization. There is a darkness inside of him. Everything clicks, and he knows where it came from. When Matt first enlisted, he was eager to serve, but the realities of war crushed his spirit. First, when he was in Iraq, he was really motivated to go to war but he ended up having enough. They were being attacked on a daily basis and he started thinking, what did I sign up for? When he entered the torture cell, the evil within sensed his inner turmoil and ever since it had been attempting to possess him. Its only purpose is to cause chaos and disorder and Matt had become a target. Matt and Heather continued to attempt to contact the spirit in hopes of driving it away, which I don't understand. I don't get I don't understand this logic, but okay. No. Matt and Heather attempted to flee the demonic presence. They moved to a new home, hoping that they could have a fresh start, but the demon continued to stalk them. It followed them, and it's still making its presence known to them today. It's a constant battle, but they think they can win it together. They have tried everything other than having a paranormal investigator come in or a priest come in to do an exorcism. And they end the episode by saying that that those are their next steps is to I was contact. Say, why wouldn't they have done that already? At right? this point, I, that'd be like my first, my first thing that I would thing. have done. Um, my first thing would have been Is priest. this an episode of Haunted? No, it's called uh, A Ghost Ruined My Life. Oh. Yeah. On what? On travel and escape, travel and explore. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That one was fucked. Yeah. Mine is not that fucked. Okay. Well, let's. I mean, that was like a next level of fucked. (laughs) Well, let's take a quick little break and then we'll come Mm -hmm. back and do, do my story. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're back. And mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a story. Let's hear it. Okay. Um, so my story, like I said, is not as um, like haunted as yours, <laughs> I would say, but it definitely has similar um, kind of undertone, underpin, pinning to it. Okay. So I got one of my, one part of this story from an article from the New York Times uh, called An Ancient Hill and Forgotten Dead, Afghanistan's Haunted Outpost. Okay. And so this is going to be kind of the first part of the story, and it's by Thomas Gibbons, Neff, and Tamur Sahai. And basically, the name of this place is, the name is Observation Post Rock, and the outpost is the backdrop for a ghost story and is known for strange voices, radio static, and the creeping fear of being watched. Mm. So it seemed like the perfect vantage point for the Marines. A 30-foot-high dirt pile overlooking the low-lying poppy fields of Helmand province. What they could not explain were the strange lights at night, the whispers in the darkness, the mysterious radio static, the sudden chill in a summer breeze, and the recurring whiff of corpses. Only later did the Marines and British soldiers stationed there begin to understand the place they called Observation Post Rock. The post and its surrounding area were considered cursed by residents of the Amir Agai villages, an area where the Taliban insurgents now reside following the failed campaigns of the American, Afghan, Soviet, and British militaries. The vacated outpost has cemented itself in both American and local Afghan culture as part of a legend, a peculiar intersection of history spiritualism and the paranormal it is the backdrop for a ghost story built along the spine of of afghanistan's unending wars and its countless dead the taliban roam freely now among the clusters of small villages and poppy fields in the helmans garmsur district all irrigated by a canal system built during the cold war and funded by the united states it was different 12 years ago when the Marines deployed in Garmsur to help drive the Taliban out. The dominant height of what the Marines described as a hardened dirt pile offered the best position for an outpost to see their enemy. Corporal Andrew Roser, one of the first Marines assigned to the outpost, simply called it the Rock. But before the Marines destroyed what they believed to be a Taliban defense position on the mound with a demolition charge, Lance Corporal Brendan Kelly discovered evidence of the hill's ancient design. Small tunnels dug into its base that led to a single chamber, maybe a fort or tomb. It was creepy, Corporal Kelly recalled. The blast from the Marines' explosives collapsed the tunnels. In the months and years that passed, buried human bones were discovered in the rock as American units rotated in and out of the outpost. 
and the destruction of Corporal Kelly's discovery in 2008 morphed into part of its mystique. An American missile had struck the outpost before the Marines had seized it. The Americans would later say, burying Taliban fighters inside. But the bones were almost certainly not Taliban. They were decades and likely in some cases centuries old. A local scholar in Garmsir who spoke on the condition of anonymity out of fear of retribution said the hill had originally been a fort, but that hundreds of years ago it, its use changed. Local people, he said, and eventually ethnic Pushtuns saw it and the other structures like it in the area as spiritual sites and transformed them into burial sites. In the years before the 1740s, before Pushtuns had made their way to Garmshire, is when the Fort Observation Post Rocks Foundation is thought to have been built, according to local officials and residents. Who built it is unclear, but many empires, as well as Alexander the Great, all left their mark on the region. The Rocks' last likely use as a graveyard may have been around 1980, at the start of the Soviet-Afghan War, the local scholar said when fighters, some led by the insurgent commander Nassim Akhanzada, surrounded and captured roughly 40 Afghan communist police officers near Amir Agai. Mr. Akhanzada is infamous for legalizing poppy cultivation for the area in 1981, now the primary driver of Helmand's economy. His nephew was the governor of Helmand's province from 2001 to 2005 and was removed after international forces raided his compound and found opium there. So obviously most people know poppies create heroin. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That (laughs) primary driver of the economy. (laughs) The captured communist police, the scholar said, were taken to the top of what became known as the Rock. Mr. Akunzada, men, and other local insurgents executed all of them. The dead were buried in the mound. Though family members came and discerned some of the bodies, many remained entombed within the elevated earth. Local officials dispute this event, saying Mr. Akunzada was not in Garmshire when the communists were present. It would only take a few months after the Rock's construction in 2008 when the Marines left and British troops took their place, only to be replaced by Marines again, that it would become to be known as the Haunted Outpost. It is a conduit for paranormal activity, said Jose Herrera, then a Lance Corporal and one of the Marines that had spent time at the Rock in 2009. When he was there, Mr. Herrera said he saw mysterious lights, heard strange static on the radio, and had the creeping feeling, much like several Marines who had spent their time there, that someone or something was watching them. Locals would often tell the Marines on the rock that the area was haunted. The smells were like something was dying, said Corporal Herrera, who has since left the Marine Corps. It was really bad at night, and it was like it came in whiffs or gusts. So basically, they could smell people literally like rotting, yeah, decaying corpses, even though they had been dead for like what seems like some centuries. Wow. Okay. So it was like they were in the middle of like battle again. Right. Okay. Um, Tom Colan, a former journalist for the London Times, wrote about a group of Marines at the Rock in the summer of 2009, battling much of the same seemingly paranormal issues described by Mr. Herrera. 
drastic changes in temperature from hot to cold, lights and voices in the night. I wanted to research that story, but unfortunately it is a paid subscription to um, the UK Times and I could not access it. And I'm not a UK citizen, so I wouldn't let me do it. (laughs) So if anyone does have access to that, I recommend reading that one or maybe sending me the transcript for it. it. Yeah. In 2005, the sci-fi television channel aired an episode on their paranormal witness True Terror series about the outpost, titled Beneath the Rock. The show featured the same Marines Mr. Colan had interviewed in 2009. It first seemed like stress-induced hokum, Mr. Cohan said, of the Marines in a recent interview. His subjects had endured the blistering heat of the Afghan summer, Friends killed at the height of the fighting and long rotations staring out into the night from the sandbagged confines of the rock, waiting for an attack. But the Marines, he said, had told him there were some things that they just couldn't explain, despite their acute awareness of the anxiety that comes with combat. One Marine, Mr. Colin said, had sworn he had heard Russian voices whispering in the darkness. A squad that replaced the Marines who had been interviewed by Mr. Mr. Colhan was warned by them that the outpost was haunted. A corporal who was part of the replacement squad, Dutch Perkins, said no one believed them. But it wasn't long after that Mr. Perkins heard some detached voice speaking in what he described as Russian while he stood guard at his lone machine gun position from midnight to dawn. Just thinking about it makes my hair stand up on my arm, Mr. Perkins said. It was real faint at first, but eventually sounded like someone was standing post with me. Um, To the Marines and British who passed through, the sparse evidence of the Russians ever being around Amir Haggai were the rusted hulks of two Soviet armored personnel carriers several hundred meters to the east. They had been destroyed in 1982 and what was the Soviet Union's first and failed offensive into Garmsir. The bloody battle was outlined in the book War Comes to Garmsir as the Soviet's most famous sweep in the district. The book said Amir Agai, with its shrines and expensive villages, was a symbol for the resistance and a regular meeting place. Abdul Ghani, a longtime resident of Garmsir, said that the entire area was considered holy after the battle. When the Soviet armored columns approached the Amir Agai shrine, the tanks became became stuck in the mud. He added that a Soviet rocket or bomb hit the shrine but did not explode, attributing this to the divine intervention from Amir Agai, a revered descendant of Mohammed who settled in the area hundreds of years ago. Afghans have long seen shrines as conduits for miracles, from physical health to history-altering events. Several tanks went into the earth and disappeared, Mr. Ghani said, adding that to the ground around Amir Agai and the rock is still considered heavy and fearful after dozens died there. The area is full of dead bodies and haunted, he said. Now, that story ends there, and um, I found another article which is on ghoststory.co.uk that also discusses this, and basically it says that... um, 
Corporal Jacob Lima's story is a, the latest addition to the hauntings that have occurred there. And he was one night awoken by the sound of screaming. Oh, God. It was well, it was Corporal Zolik, a Marine who has since been moved to a unit further south. When I got there, he said that he was sitting there when he heard a voice whisper something in his ear. He said it sounded like Russian. He begged me to stay in there with him till he was relieved from guard duty. After that, he really didn't like standing post up there, said Corporal Lima, 22. Um, and then the Marines' predecessors, a unit of Welsh guards, also reported paranormal experiences. The Brits claimed to see strange things, hear noises. Corporal Lima said lots of them said it's creepy at night, especially from midnight till 4 a.m. You see a lot of unexplained lights through night vision goggles. This place really sucks, said Lance Corporal Austin Hoyt, 20, putting his pack on to return to the main base. The Afghans say it's haunted. Stick a shovel in anywhere and you'll find bones and bits of pottery. This place should be a National Geographic. They say the Russians occupying forces up here were executed by the Mujahideen. Now, I also have a story from this specific place that was posted on Reddit that someone wrote. So this person who is a Redditor named Isolation underscore titled their post Observation Point Rock. For the most part, I hated being in the military when I was in it. But now that some years have passed, I love the memories of being in the military. Either it is only I remember the good parts, definitely not true, or you end up having the feeling of pride, not pride in that you did something honorable or badass, but rather pride in that you survived it, you overcame it. This is one of the few absurdly negative memories I have had being in the Marines. My unit's motto was, not for self, but for country. Let me tell you, if I knew what I was going to have to witness there, I would not do it for myself, and I also would not have done it for my country. My unit had been deployed to patrol base Hassanabad. Now, as some of you know, America was not the first to foray into Afghanistan. There were the Russians before us, the British, even Alexander the Great, of Macedonia tried to march through this land. None of them were able to hold on to this serene and quite beautiful landscape. All of them met an uneventful defeat. I and three other men were put out at a little bump in the land, a hill of about 65 feet, called O.P. Rock. Before us, the British were there. They warned us of an oppressive atmosphere. Yeah, no shit, buddy. It's Afghanistan. Everything is oppressive. <laughs> OP Rock was approximately 600 meters from patrol base Hassanabad, where the rest of my unit was. Our job was to watch for any baddies heading towards the patrol base, engage them, and call in a QRF and possibly air support. OP Rock used to have a small cave system, like I described earlier, under it, mostly dug by the Taliban. That is until the U.S. dropped about 2,500 pounds of explosive freedom onto their heads. If there were any men inside who did not die first from having the air sucked out of their lungs, they'd die a second time from having the conducive force turn their organs into jelly, or die a third time by being engulfed in flame. They were buried. So, we get up to our little OP rock on the first day of what was going to be about three months of literal hell. First thing you do when you are going to go static at a location, you dig. You dig some holes, maybe a trench, and dig some more to throw up a few HESCO barriers and the like. Well, we were starting to dig, and as we were digging, we started to find bones. Not one bone, not two bones, 
tons of bones. There were bones for days. We could have built our whole OP out of bones. We found relics too, pottery, tinware, a helmet. The helmet was a Soviet issue from the 70s and 80s. These were human bones of Soviet soldiers who never made it home. Our first night, I got third watch. From 12 midnight to 4 in the morning, exactly where they said that the worst time of the day, like the hauntings happen. I had night vision and was just watching out over the landscape. I start to see flashes of light about 400 meters from my position. Looks like incoming small arms fire, but I do not hear any gunfire, nor the distinctive snap of a round going past in close proximity, nor any distinctive tracers. They pop up all over the place, then disappear, then show up again a few minutes later. I wake up one of my butt buddies, and he too notices the flashes. So it was not just my imagination or malfunctioning gear. Great. Eventually, some of other some other light showed up in the sky, significantly brighter, and seemed to float to the ground like a really dim flare. Taking off the NVGs, all we could see was dark. So like... When they took off their night vision glasses, they just saw darkness, yes. not any of those flashes. What they, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Unsettling, to say the least. This happened a few times, not just to me, but to the other guys on the hill as well. The worst event at OP Rock, and probably the most terrifying moment I've experienced in my life, happened about three weeks after we posted up. I was, I was sitting another late night watch. It had been a few days since anyone had seen any of the strange lights. However, immediately they came in full force. I swear they were muzzle flashes. I saw the dim flares again. It seemed like the entire position was being lit up. At first, I ducked for cover, but there was no physical or auditory evidence, just the lights. Then almost as abruptly as it started, it ended, and I was back to looking at the land through a fuzzy green lens. A whisper in my ear. Bronze or rosé? I don't know what it meant. I knew it was Russian. I knew it sounded angry. I startled. I flopped on the ground like a fish trying to bring my weapon up to bear and turned to my right and there was nothing there. Nothing at all. I freak out, wake up my butt buddy and told him he needed to take watch. That day I was a true American hero. It was only when I started to calm down that I noticed I had pissed myself. An occurrence that is more common in the military than one would think. Definitely not was not my first time that I pissed myself in the military in my career, and it was not the last. I believe it. A few weeks later, some trainees, that's what we call our transi- translators, talked to some locals in the area. Apparently, there was a small Soviet OP here as well during their war in Afghanistan. It had been overrun by, like I said the Mujahideen, and every single last one of them was slaughtered. The captured were executed, and they left the bodies to lay there. Those poor men were still fighting that war. So that's basically what's still going on at the observation post, and many, many, many men in the military are witnessing it, and the Russian, the dead Russian soldiers are literally just just still fighting still and talking to them angry yeah they're pretty pissed so jeez louise yeah so that's the story of the uh observation post in afghanistan and uh yeah we can move on to fuck mary kills yeah for sure 
I just like throughout that whole story, anytime they mentioned like the pottery stuff, I was like, man, I would take that shit home. But I'd get so haunted. (laughs) You get so haunted. (laughs) This story. So when you were telling your story, I Mm -hmm. was like, man, I feel like this guy took home one of these, like not that he was like a Russian soldier, but I just feel like someone like that mm-hmm. in that environment mm-hmm. like oh no, he took home an ancient demon yeah, oh yeah. yeah he took home a piece of pottery yeah <laughs> good thing yeah good thing i can't take that home yeah for sure um, okay so okay. let's do our our pisces okay uh, fuck mary kills okay i've got my three ready for you okay go ahead so i've got rashida jones mm-hmm. trevor noah okay or benji madden Ooh okay that's a rough one mm-hmm. mm. oh i'm gonna kill trevor noah really okay yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Benji madden um i think that it's is it him and uh nicole richie that are married or cameron diaz cameron diaz yeah okay i feel like he's a great dad and and husband so i'm going to marry him mm-hmm. and i will sleep with rashida jones nice okay i would kill benji okay i would yeah. um that was an alternate that was an option but mm-hmm. there's just too much nostalgia there for me i should have picked joel because he would have been easier to kill probably um but i would kill the madden um okay and then I would, now this is one I have a hard time with because Trevor Noah just seems delightful. I want to marry him very much. Mm-hmm. Rashida Jones is my favorite actress. Yeah, I know this. Um, so I will, I will marry Rashida Jones and I will have sex with Trevor Noah, although he was a very close contender to be, to be my husband. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I have selected um, three female comedy geniuses that's my that's my theme for mine so i've got Catherine o'hara oh love her rebel wilson Mm -hmm. and wanda sykes okay i'm killing rebel wilson oh okay i feel like i recently saw that there was some type of problematic behavior but i could again i could be wrong i don't know i feel like i was like reading an article late at night so i could also have just been half asleep and not be remembering correctly okay but either way i am I'm, i'm still going to even, Even if that accent. wasn't happening, it doesn't she'd matter. be gone. Yeah. Um, and then I will marry Catherine O'Hara mm-hmm. and I will have sex with uh, Wanda Sykes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I don't know of the problematic Rebel Wilson stuff. Okay. And I, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. So I think that I will marry Rebel. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe. Hmm. Yes. I don't know. It's a it's a toss up between her and her and Catherine O'Hara for mm-hmm. the marriage. I mean, if she's anything like her character on Shit's Creek, maybe not Mary. She's definitely not anything I know, like that. I know. I'm just trying to convince myself. <laughs> okay. I'm going to sleep with Rebel Wilson, marry Catherine O'Hara, and kill Wanda Sykes. Okay. Just just because Wanda Sykes of all three may get a little bit grinding on my nerves okay. with her comedy um, and her voice sometimes. You know, she saw a ghost. I knew, I knew, I heard this. Mm-hmm. Do you have a story for it, for that? She saw a ghost. Um, she was at a hotel and she looked up in the corner and there was uh, a ghost 
sitting in a, a chair Whoa, in nice. the corner. Yeah. Wow. And well, she, Wanda Sykes, if you ever want to come on this podcast, don't take my not fuck Mary kills. Her, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I. True. Fuck. I'm screwed. Have you never seen Over the Hedge? She's brilliant in that. I haven't movie. seen it. Oh my god, you it. should. It's really good. Okay. Fine. I'll kill Rebel Wilson. Now you. Now you're Yay! swaying my decision. Okay, we're killing Rebel Wilson. We're Sorry, gonna Rebs. we're gonna marry Wanda Sykes and sleep with Catherine O'Hara. Okay, I'll accept that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's showbiz, baby. Yeah, so, stay spooky, everyone. Stay spooky. Rate, review, and subscribe. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>